Awesome. Let's get started. Um, so thanks everyone for, for trekking all the way over to the MGM. Um, I know that it is raining in Vegas, which is I guess a weird, a weird turn of events, but thanks for making it over here. Um, so my name is Abby Fuller. Uh, I'm a principal on the containers and Linux teams uh, here at AWS. Um, if you've been to reInvent before, um, you might remember that a few years ago, uh, we used to do something called the State of the Union. Uh, so progress we've made on services during the year, uh, things that are coming up, and kind of how we're thinking about things from a high level. Um, we don't officially do those anymore. Um, this morning, my, my boss, uh, Deepak Singh, gave a talk, um, like a leadership session with David Richardson from the serverless team um, about kind of how we're thinking about the big pieces and how serverless and containers can work together to help you build modern applications. Uh, this is not that. Um, so we're gonna do all of the details that they didn't cover this morning. Uh, so I'm calling this a roadmap session. We're gonna cover containers. We're gonna cover application networking, which for us is AWS App Mesh. Um, and we're gonna cover Amazon Linux. Um, I know that a lot of you have places to be after this. Um, so rather than do questions out loud, I'm gonna try to wrap up after around like 45, 50 minutes, and then we'll do questions right up here to get you all out in time to make it to your next session. Um, if you're on the shuttle, you'll be riding with me too. Um, okay. So we've already covered this, but is this a state of the union? And the answer is kind of. Um, I think what I was really missing from the state of the unions when we stopped doing them is the, the little bit of a recap on what folks have launched over the last year, what we're launching right now, and then how, how do all those pieces fit together? And how do you think about them when there's lots of options to choose from? So starting with the big picture, um, I've been tweeting these recently because it's kind of fun. Um, I clearly did not go to school for design. Um, I drew those myself. Um, but this is some big segments for how kind of the different pieces are separated. So ECS uh, at the orchestration layer, so ECS and EKS, handle things like cluster management, like scheduling, like deployment. Um, you control them via services. So for Kubernetes, you work with pods. For ECS, you work with tasks. Uh, they do auto scaling and load balancing. Um, if you're familiar with AWS style APIs, like if you came from EC2, um, ECS will probably feel pretty familiar. Uh, if you like Kubernetes style APIs, uh, then EKS uh, is the best way to interact with those. Uh, on the side, also kind of happening at the orchestration level, you have things like code build or batch or SageMaker, and those are all ultimately layers over a scheduler. So for example, batch runs on top of ECS. Um, and that's, that's that layer that you're using to interact with your scheduler. Uh, underneath that, you have the management of a task lifecycle. Um, so we have a task API that manages things like tasks and resources, manages credentials. Uh, so if you're using ECS, that would be something like run task. So you're not managing it through a service. You're making an API call. It runs just your task, and then it exits when it's finished. So you can interact directly with the tasks themselves. And then on the very bottom layer, you have um, what manages capacity. Um, and I know that this gets a little confusing with things like Fargate versus ECS and EKS. Uh, ultimately, Fargate is just a capacity manager for, for EC2. So Fargate is what's managing those EC2 instances for you. Um, and instead of making the tired, there's always servers and serverless. Um, that's basically where the difference comes down for Fargate, right? Is that they're all running on top of EC2, but with Fargate, we're managing them for you, and we meaning AWS. Uh, and on ECS or EKS, you're managing uh, those instances yourselves. 
And that can be good, right? That you want different levels of control. And I didn't put this diagram in, and maybe I should have. Um, but ultimately, the way that you know which one you want to use comes down to how much control you want or you need over your underlying infrastructure. So if I can run everything as a task or a pod, right? If I can define everything as a container, um, maybe I want to use something like Fargate, right? So ECS on Fargate or EKS on Fargate. Um, if I need to do something else, right? If I need to bring custom AMIs, if I need to install software on the host that's not managed uh, through my scheduler, so through ECS or EKS, um, if I want to do things in cloud init or EC2 user data, uh, those are all capabilities that belong with ECS or EKS. So that's where that customization comes in. And then the follow-up question, which I always have a cop-out answer to, is how do I actually know which one to use, though? And if it were me now, and it's not because Fargate did not exist when I was a customer, uh, I probably would have started with Fargate and worked my way backwards. So I would have gone with kind of the least level of control and customization and then picked up extra control over the EC2 instances uh, when I needed them. And that might mean that I end up running something like a mixed fleet, right, where I have some tasks that are running on Fargate capacity that Amazon is managing for me, and I have some running on EC2 capacity that I'm managing myself directly through ECS or EKS. Um, so ultimately, I don't want you to have to choose. I want you to be able to mix and match. Uh, and that goes through some other things, and we'll talk about that in a second. But um, this is how I kind of think about the workflow, right? I have to store my image somewhere. So for AWS, that's ECR, so Elastic Container Registry. Second, I choose my scheduler, so ECS or EKS, so that's how I want to deploy and manage and control my containers. And then next, I choose how and where I want to run, so my level of control, so Fargate versus EC2 mode. And then that's it. So that's the order of operations that I kind of think that I need to go through as a user to, to figure out where the different services fall into line. Um, so what have we been thinking about over the last year beyond kind of uh, ECS versus Fargate and, and all that stuff? Um, so the first thing that kind of comes up for me uh, is that with distributed systems and with microservices and containers and functions and serverless, um, they've brought a lot of complexity, right? And over the last year or so, we've been thinking about how we can use patterns and abstractions to make these applications repeatable. So how can we make our infrastructure fall kind of secondary to our workflow? So how can we manage kind of everything in a way that feels really natural as we go along? Um, and abstractions and patterns are how we help mitigate this complexity. So what we want is to make running an application on AWS to feel really streamlined, really repeatable, really modular, uh, really natural for what your workflow is. So for a lot of developers, right, you run your workflow from Git or from your IDE. Or maybe if you're looking to debug visually, you run it through the console. And we need to figure out how to make kind of our infrastructure components feel like natural fits to actual developer workflows. Um, so we, we went GA with something a few days ago. I think it was yesterday, but I, it's reInvent, and I can't really keep track anymore. Um, but we, we launched a new version of the ECS CLI. And since we launched ECS, right, there's been two versions of the CLI. There's the AWS CLI, which is the shared one across all AWS services. I can interact with Route 53 and S3, EC2 and ECS and all that, all through the same CLI. And then there's always been a second uh, ECS CLI. And historically, that's kind of been just about match for match with the AWS CLI, but just for ECS. And 
When we launched V2, we said, how could we make this so that it fit developer workflows more naturally, right? Because how many of you have done a workshop where it helped you set your container up, set a cluster up, deploy it to your cluster, and then it was kind of like, great, you're good to go, right? It's a lot, it's a lot of workshops. So what we tried to do with the ECS CLI 2.0 is our first step at putting the rest of the workflow in there. So how do you deploy? How do you update? How do you monitor and observe uh, your workloads that are running with ECS? Uh, you can do things like ECS init or ECS deploy. Uh, that's on GitHub. Um, I think, by the way, that when these decks are distributed after reInvent, um, there should be a bunch of links in here. So references to roadmaps and, and launches should all have links uh, if you follow along. Um, I don't think they're written out in any of the slides, so taking pictures might be tricky, um, but they should be, should be easily findable from the links. Um, so the other face, I think, of abstractions and patterns is that I want control over what I care about, but I want sensible defaults for the rest. And I think you've seen that run through a lot of AWS services over the last couple years, right? Which is that if I don't know what the right answer is, like how much memory or CPU to allocate to a task or which policy to allocate to an S3 bucket, is that there's been uh, defaults that you could fall back on. So I can specify if I, if I want to, um, or if I don't know, uh, we have a default. Uh, this has come up in a bunch of customer meetings so far this week uh, around VPCs, right? And if you've ever tried to configure a VPC uh, through the AWS CLI, uh, did you get it on the first try? I never do. Um, it's a lot of work. And if you're, if you're familiar with networking, right, if you're comfortable setting up CIDR blocks and route tables, um, that's fine. But if you're not, uh, being able to set those things up shouldn't be, a, shouldn't be a barrier to getting started with something like ECS. It should have a sensible, safe, secure default you can fall back on. And for a lot of folks, that's the default VPC. Um, and so something that's run through the container services and application networking uh, is the ability to customize just the things that I care about and fall back on a default for the rest. And that comes at a lot of different levels, right? So it's control over how much you pay for something. So spot instances for Fargate or compute savings plan, which a lot of services have been onboarding onto, uh, or the, kind of how many knobs and dials and levers you want to tweak. So that's something like EKS on Fargate versus um, managed nodes for EKS or EKS IAM roles for service accounts or pods. Um, and it also means control over what tools you want to use. So we aim to provide those sensible default tools, in a lot of cases built off of open source uh, tools and standards. So that's things like FireLens, uh, which is our, our Fluent D, Fluent Bit log router. Uh, but it also means that if you want to use a totally different set of tools, you should be able to. So with EKS, because it's vanilla, kind of upstream Kubernetes, um, any open source Kubernetes ecosystem tool that you want to use should work just fine with EKS. Uh, we've built a lot of our tooling around EKS in partnership with folks like Weaveworks. Uh, so EKS Control or EKS CTL or EKS Cuddle, or I don't know how people are saying it now because I cannot, I cannot keep up. Um, but we built that in partnership with Weave, right? And that feels a lot more like the ECS CLI 2.0 so that it, it feels like it matches your workflow as a developer. Uh, and we've worked on things like Argo and Flux, which we announced at KubeCon a few weeks ago uh, in partnership with Weave and Intuit, so around uh, GitOps-based continuous integration and deployment for Kubernetes. 
and then finally, we want to contribute back to, part, uh, to projects that our customers use to help them work better with AWS. So that's things like Escalator from Atlassian or Spinnaker. Um, and I think that's maybe one of the most common questions I get from folks about open source at, at AWS, which is like, how do you know what to work on? And for, for me, it always feels like we want to work backwards to make sure that any tools that our customers want to use on AWS, that we make that work really well for them. And that might be something that we contribute to. It might be something that's community run and we just submit PRs. We might help maintain it. But we want to make any tool that you want to use interact well with AWS. So we touched on this a little bit uh, a few minutes ago. Um, but our concept of compute can't stay static, right? And uh, so I used ECS originally as a beta user um, an embarrassing number of years ago. Um, and when ECS first came out, it felt very much just like EC2, right? That I had to jump over to the EC2 console to set up things like load balancers or security groups or VPCs. Um, and it still very, felt very much like the control that I had was at the, was at the host level, that my auto-scaling group was just for my pool of instances uh, and not for my containers themselves. And over the last couple of years, I think, we've seen it move from just uh, EC2 re-implemented for containers to looking at things in a really container-specific way. So like scaling at the container and task level rather than just the instance level. Um, and we want to change how developers think. And I think Lambda was maybe the first kind of start of this, right, where you didn't have to have a full application anymore. You could just run a function in response to an event and then take an action at the end of it. So you just had the piece that you needed. You didn't have to set up an EC2 instance in order to run that application. You could just run the function. And with Fargate, so with ECS on Fargate or EKS on Fargate, developers don't have to think about managing their infrastructure at the cluster level. There is a cluster, but it's really just like an organizational tool. And that might be a team, so Abby's team uh, versus Nate's team. It might be production versus staging. But that cluster is just an organizational construct. And you don't have to, you don't have to think about things at the EC2 level. You can just work on your containers. And we don't want to just stop there, right? Uh, we want to think about how we can keep evolving, kind of how we think about compute. So how can we remove the concept of a cluster entirely so that you don't need that organizational construct? How can we eliminate the things like CRDs, so custom resources and Kubernetes? So abstractions and patterns and sensible defaults and the ability to tweak these settings, this is what we've been thinking about over the last year. And this is what we're going to continue to think about uh, over the next year. So I think as Werner has said in a couple, in a couple keynotes now, uh, we want everything you write to be, to be business logic. But how can we actually get there? And I think from the container side, there's a couple of tools that we can lean on. And I think the first one is that if you're using ECS or EKS or Fargate or AppMesh or EC2 or Route 53 or S3, you're not just working with that service. You're working with AWS. And part of what brings that value is how well and how seamlessly the service that you're using talks to the other pieces of AWS. So, they should, feel really, they should feel really native. They should feel really seamless. And I really dislike this term, but I put it in here anyway because I couldn't think of a better one. But it shouldn't feel container native or cloud native. It should feel AWS native. So if I'm working with ECS, it shouldn't be difficult to add an IAM role for something. It shouldn't be difficult to add a security group. It shouldn't be difficult to work with KMS. Those integrations should all feel really easy. So whether it's auto-scaling or networking or monitoring, 
uh, we want to have really tight first-class integrations. And I think a really good example I like of this is CloudWatch shipped the con uh, container insights over the last year. And that was like container-level monitoring. It didn't just feel like I can get CloudWatch metrics from my container. It felt like I can get my container metrics in CloudWatch. And that it felt like it worked backwards from how I was actually running my software and then displayed that for me in a way that was visual. Uh, another good example is ENI trunking. Uh, we, when we launched that, we called it ENI density improvements. Um, and ultimately, it was just the ability to attach more ENIs. Uh, and that was a limitation that a lot of folks ran into. Um, but the networking side comes from us too. And being able to have a really tight native integration that works really well with the rest of AWS, uh, I think that's a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, and finally, something new that we've done over the last year is that uh, just after reInvent last year, missed the boat on that one, uh, we open sourced all of our roadmaps. So for ECS, EKS, ECR, Fargate, uh, AppMesh, Firecracker, uh, and I believe CloudFormation now, um, all of those roadmaps are out in the open. So we take PRs on GitHub, we post what we're working on, what we're thinking about, things we're researching, uh, we post RFCs, so requests for comment. Um, I have not let go of my mailing list ways. Um, but those are all on GitHub. So uh, a, a, we've had a different level of transparency, I think, over the last year between not just, because everyone has a story, right, of how they spent a lot of time working on something and building it in-house, and then six months later, we're like, look what we did. Um, and that feels like a lot of wasted work, right? Because you can't plan around what we're building. So with the roadmaps, we opened it up so that you can plan around what we're building. Um, in addition to just the roadmaps, so they come in four different categories, and we'll look at them in detail uh, in a few minutes. But we've also extended that a little bit and started running developer previews uh, from the roadmap as well. So things like Windows nodes and ARM nodes, uh, those appeared in the developer roadmap first. Uh, with instructions for joining uh, the preview. So it wasn't just a private preview that you had to email your account manager to get into, uh, but anyone could join. It was posted on GitHub with instructions, and you could see uh, how other folks were doing, what issues they were having, uh, and you could respond back with suggestions if you had them. Um, so look for more of that in the next year with how transparent we are on that roadmap, uh, how many features we list up there, uh, and make sure that that's another way for us to hear, to hear your voice, right, is on the roadmap. Um, so let's talk about what's new. Um, so we've launched a few things uh, over the last year, and this is not an exhaustive list, but this is a, a few of the highlights. Uh, so for ECS, um, and that is Elastic Container Service, um, we launched participation in the Compute Savings Plan. Um, so that, if you're not familiar with it, and these all have blog posts, by the way, so they have either what's new posts from Jeff Barr's blog, uh, or we've written about them on the Containers blog. But Compute Savings Plan is a way to commit to one or three years worth of usage, uh, and then uh, multiple types of compute count towards that usage. So rather than something like reserved instances, which is for a specific type, uh, this is compute usage. So it works for things like ECS and EKS and Fargate. I believe Lambda this morning in the leadership session uh, announced that support for Compute Savings Plan was in preview. Uh, so more services coming to Compute Savings Plan coming soon. Um, we added support for additional log drivers. Uh, some of those were through FireLens, but Sumo Logic and FluentD. Uh, we added integration with Container Insights, more CloudWatch events and CloudFormation feature support. Um, we shipped something that was kind of cool uh, a few months ago that was multiple target groups per load balancer. 
So with a single load balancer, I can now go to multiple places. Uh, previously, there was a one-to-one -one mapping between like a, a service and a load balancer. Um, we shipped, I believe, at the Santa Clara Summit early this year, uh, the ability to run task definitions locally, so as part of your testing and development workflow. Uh, that is also open source, it's on GitHub. Um, we talked about Firelands already, and then we already talked about the ENI density improvements. So not a full list, but a partial one. Uh, and I think that most of the things in this list, right, they fit the themes that we just talked about. So improving developer experience, more patterns, more abstractions. This is not including, by the way, the reInvent launches, which we'll cover separately in like three slides. Uh, so for EKS, uh, which is Elastic Kubernetes Service, um, we launched support for Windows nodes. Uh, at KubeCon a few weeks ago, uh, we launched Manage Worker Node Groups. Um, so for EKS, there are some blog posts that go into this in detail, um, but a couple different levels of control, right? And someone on Twitter put it from uh, zero managed nodes to managed nodes to EKS on Fargate in less than two weeks, which is pretty cool. Um, so managed worker node groups, uh, we launched instance training with Spot, so a tighter connection between running Spot instances with EKS uh, and how uh, the scheduler will drain traffic off those instances. Uh, we launched IAM roles for service accounts, uh, which for EKS is pods, so IAM roles for pods. Uh, same container insights integration, so works the same for ECS and EKS. Uh, we launched a couple new versions of the CNI, uh, so the network interface. Uh, we did a lot of deep learning and machine learning benchmarking work. Um, it turns out that a lot of folks were running uh, their training and inference type jobs on EKS, so we worked in a benchmarking utility to help you reproduce those benchmarking numbers on your own. Uh, we added a metrics endpoint for the control plane, uh, and we worked on that Argo and Flux GitOps project with Weave and Intuit. Um, the full list of launches, by the way, uh, all have blog posts, but they're also all on the containers roadmap, so you can see the full list uh, under the just shipped column on GitHub. Uh, so for Fargate, also FireLens support, more log drivers, more cloud formation and CloudWatch. Um, we added a bunch of new regions to Fargate. Uh, we supported Compute Savings Plan, uh, and on January 7th of this year, uh, there was a, a pretty big uh, Fargate price drop. And we'll talk a little bit about Fargate pricing in general in more detail in a couple of minutes. Uh, so for ECR, we launched FIPS compliance, uh, if that is your boat. Um, we launched VPC private endpoint policies, which colloquially would mean private link support. Uh, we launched immutable image tags, um, so someone else pushing to that same tag will not write over your tag. Uh, support for additional CloudWatch events. Uh, we launched image vulnerability scanning in ECR uh, a few, I think like two months ago, uh, and event bridge support, which is something uh, that the Lambda team has been working on. I don't know what that chair noise is in the back, but it's kind of distressing. Um, so for App Mesh, two pretty big launches this year. Uh, so the big one is that we went, we went GA, so general availability. Um, App Mesh is a service mesh. Uh, you can use it to do things like control how one service talks to another, um, stuff like that. Uh, you can do things like, like traffic routing and traffic shaping and, and other good stuff. Uh, App Mesh also launched a few months after that a preview channel. So service mesh, uh, as kind of a concept, is, is pretty new for the whole industry. We don't quite know how we're using it. Uh, people are using it in very different ways. All we know is that people have some similar needs, like how do I control things like policies around what can talk to each other, uh, and they want a way to manage that. And so we're all trying to figure this out, I think, what, 
what kind of the right capabilities for a service mesh are and what all the use cases are. So at Mesh launched a preview channel. Uh, so features before they hit GA uh, will hit the preview channel. Uh, you can use them uh, on your own. You can play around with them. And it's an opportunity to give your feedback uh, earlier on in our product development lifecycle. So if we ship something in the preview channel and you say, you know what, turns out that that wasn't quite how to solve my use case, that's a way to get something in before we hit GA. So before it even goes officially into production, you can try it out and get your feedback in. Uh, a bunch of different types of routing, so cookies, HTTP, and TCP routing, uh, flagger integration with Weave, uh, EKS and CloudMap, uh, an app mesh controller for Kubernetes, uh, and in the preview channel right now, we have end-to-end -end encryption with ACM and customer managed certificates, and I think uh, cross-account support is soon in the preview channel. So some cool things in there to play around with uh, that are available there. Uh, so what about reInvent launches? Because that is why we are all here. Uh, so new and exciting at reInvent this year. Um, EKS on Fargate, uh, which Andy announced in his keynote yesterday, uh, and that's running EKS and Kubernetes pods on AWS Fargate capacity. Uh, we launched Fargate Spot, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, we launched for ECS cluster auto-scaling and ECS capacity providers. We launched the V2 preview of the ECS CLI. Uh, and ECS, EKS, and AppMesh all launched support for outposts, uh, which were, was also announced in the keynote yesterday. Um, and I have at the end of this talk there is a slide that has some pointers to some additional breakout sessions. So if you're looking for content specifically on one of the reInvent launches, either by one of the, one of the SDEs or one of the PMs, uh, there are some pointers to some of the talks uh, at the end. Uh, this is not the official logo for EKS on Fargate. I made it myself in PowerPoint. Um, I don't know if marketing has seen it yet. I hope not. Um, so EKS on Fargate is the ability to run your pods on AWS Fargate managed capacity. Uh, so run your Kubernetes-based applications using Kubernetes APIs uh, without managing or provisioning your infrastructure. So you define and pay for resources at the pod level. Pods run with a VM-level isolation boundary. Um, and ideally, this should mean uh, that customers don't need to be Kubernetes operations experts to run a secure, available, cost-optimized cluster. I am not a Kubernetes operations expert, so I am very excited. Um, so for Fargate Spot, um, this is letting you run your Fargate-based tasks on spot capacity. So just like EC2 Spot, uh, Fargate Spot is spare capacity at a savings. Uh, for Fargate, it's up to 70%. So non-spot Fargate, pay for containers per second, no long-term commitment. Uh, you can change your capacity needs really quickly at any time. Uh, with Fargate and compute savings plan, it's a one or three year commitment uh, for a discount, but you have to have some guess at your baseline compute needs in advance. So it works a lot like, like RIs, right? Reserved instances where for a discount, I can predict what I need in advance uh, and get compute uh, for less. Uh, Fargate spot, uh, spare Fargate capacity, savings up to 70% off the regular Fargate pricing. Uh, and this is if your workloads are fault tolerant and flexible. So who's used EC2 spot before? Yeah. So the, the behavior on Fargate should be really similar, right? So EC2 spot, unused EC2 capacity, Fargate, unused Fargate capacity, uh, EC2 spot up to 90% over on demand, Fargate up to 70%. 
Uh, EC2 spot reclaimed by EC2 up to a two minute warning. Fargate, same thing. Uh, we can take it back with a two minute warning. Um, what I think is really interesting for me uh, on Fargate specifically is that I think that this is a really natural fit. So with Fargate workloads, they're already containerized, and I think for a lot of folks running containers, those workloads are more flexible and fault tolerant out of the box, right? It's not as much, so everyone on EC2, including me, I'm not ashamed to admit it, have some process that you're afraid to reboot, right? Yeah. Anyone that says they didn't is lying to me. Um, so we all have that, right? And I think with containers, a lot of us have moved not totally past that, because you can always mess something up by rebooting it. Um, but with containers, I think a lot of us have built more fault-tolerant workloads. We can scale up by adding more. We can scale down by killing those containers off. Uh, and they tend to be stateless. Um, so I think that, that makes it a little bit of an easier match with Spot. So I'm really excited to see what, what folks start building uh, with Fargate and, and Spot. Um, one more thing. Uh, so with EC2 Spot, uh, you choose your instance pools. Um, Spot will help you recommend flexibility over multiple instance types. Uh, with Fargate Spot, you don't have to choose that, so we handle the diversification. Diversification uh, on our side. That's a hard word to say. Um, cool. Uh, so ECS cluster capacity providers. Um, so this is what lets you define multiple auto-scaling groups in a single cluster. Previously, that was another one-to-one -one mapping, and you could not update it. Uh, now, each auto-scaling group is associated with its own capacity provider. Uh, so right now, capacity providers can be EC2 spot, EC2 on demand, Fargate spot, or Fargate on demand. And what this looks like, and you can tell that I didn't draw this picture that the ECS product manager did because it's not <laughs> hand-drawn in paint uh, and is, in fact, using actual icons. Um, so we're proud of Nick. Um, so with capacity providers, um, the top thing, I wish I had a laser pointer, um, is a one-to-one -one mapping, right? I could either use Spot or I could use On Demand. And I could mix and match them at the service level, so I could have one service that ran on Spot and one service that ran on On Demand, but I couldn't mix and match. So the bottom is with capacity providers. Um, I can balance my traffic and I, I can weight it uh, between two, so 70% on Fargate, 30% on Fargate Spot. Uh, or vice versa, or whatever percentages make you happy. Um, alternatively, I can do the same with EC2 spot and EC2 on demand, so I can mix and match uh, based on percentages for how I want to run. Um, and a couple implications to this, I think. So the big one for me is that it makes a decision on what type of capacity to use much more late binding. So rather than using just spot or just on demand and having to start a new service if I want to change, um, I don't have to choose, right? I can, I can be flexible, I can mix and match, I can swap, I can decide, hey, actually, I wanna run this 100% on on-demand, or I wanna run this 40% on spot now, and I can do that with capacity providers. Uh, coming soon, um, hopefully, uh, mixing and matching capacity providers, so like EC2 on-demand and Fargate spot, or Fargate on-demand and EC2 spot. Um, also, I think looking even, even more forward, um, so many other things could be capacity providers, right? An outpost could be a capacity provider. Uh, wavelength could be a capacity provider. Local zones could be a capacity provider. Um, so looking forward to the future, um, 
I want, I, I want to see this trend continue of building services that will let you be flexible with your compute needs and let your compute needs grow with you. So rather than being kind of locked into something very early in the process, um, how could we extend this so that you don't have to pick and that that decision gets later and later and later binding until maybe it's not binding at all. Um, so for cluster auto-scaling, uh, this comes in two pieces. Uh, it's a new ECS cluster scaling metric uh, and container-aware instance termination management. Um, that new metric is called the task reservation that measures the total percentage of cluster resources that are needed by all workloads running in that cluster. Um, that lets you scale up more quickly and more reliably uh, in, as opposed to CPU or memory reservations. Uh, you can also use that to set aside spare capacity in your clusters. Uh, that second part, which I actually think is almost more interesting, uh, is instance termination management. Um, and some of you might know that if you were on the ECS agent GitHub repo um, a while ago, uh, there's been a ticket hanging around that was opened by me as a customer uh, four years ago, five years ago, a lot of years ago. Um, and it was looking for a smarter allocation of ECS resources. Uh, and there was a piece of that that was, that was around this behavior, which is then that when my cluster scaled in, it wasn't very smart about it. It just terminated whatever in EC2 instance it felt like. It did not care that maybe some of those had 20 containers running on them. Some of them were empty. Some of them had two. Um, so there's, there's two pieces. There's task rebalancing, which is something we're still thinking about the right way to do. But there's also this now. So that means I can control what my behavior is on cluster scale-in. Uh, this will let us minimize disruptions to your availability, uh, lower operational costs and higher availability. Uh, it lets you run a little bit hotter so that you don't need quite so much spare capacity to balance things out to mitigate the effect of scaling back in. Um, just, like, uh, just like capacity providers, I'm excited to see how this one grows. So I think what we've launched at reInvent this year um, is it feels like a first step to me, right? And that I'm excited to see everyone on the, on the GitHub roadmap or in customer meetings uh, saying how they want to see this kind of evolve next and what, how, how they want to see this keep evolving and growing and what they want to see us add to this in terms of capabilities. Uh, so let us know. Uh, so ECS CLI version 2. Um, so we touched upon this kind of briefly at the beginning, but the ECS CLI version 2 setting you create, release, and manage what we consider to be production-ready containerized applications. So uh, applications that you build with the CCS CLI include operations from the get-go. So things like deployments and debugging and observability, that's all part of your deployment workflow. So once you've built an application and you're ready to deploy it, uh, the CLI will do things like set up a CI-CD pipeline, uh, built-in ability to test uh, or add manual gates like someone needs to approve this in order for it to deploy. Um, you can look at logs, you can monitor metrics, you can push updates, but it should feel like a much closer match to what your developer workflow is right now. Uh, so that's on GitHub, it's open source. Um, you can play around with it today. Uh, give us feedback, open a PR. Um, I'm really excited to see where this one goes also. So a couple of good, uh, good use cases for this. Um, you can bring your existing Dockerized apps. You could set up staging and production, cross-region or cross-account. Um, services should feel production-ready. Um, you can set up CI/CD pipelines for all of your services. You can monitor and debug all from the same place. 
Uh, so here's a link uh, to the, well, I guess you can't see it. Um, oops, but uh, you can search it. If you look ECS CLI v2, that's how I found the link. Um, so I bet that you could find it the same way. Um, I know that we have many GitHub organizations, but uh, most things are in slash AWS, so we're at AWS on GitHub. Um, so how can you learn more um, about some of the topics that we covered today and some of the launches? Um, so uh, containers 333, there's a couple of repeats. I just listed one. Uh, this one was super popular, so there are overflow rooms and a couple more repeats. Um, this is on best practices for CICD uh, with Fargate and ECS, uh, and that's run by uh, Claire and Sangway. Uh, so uh, Claire is a PE, so a principal engineer uh, on the container side. Sangway is, a, is an SDE on the container side, um, and that's all about how to have continuously integrating and deploying production-ready apps with Fargate and ECS. Um, oops, I fixed it. Um, Containers 208, also a couple of repeats. This is a workshop. Uh, this is on building microservice-based applications on AWS Fargate. Uh, Nathan Peck uh, is one of the developer advocates for containers here at AWS. Uh, so a lot of you have probably spoken with him already. Uh, containers 328, um, improving observability. Uh, that's with uh, a few of the product managers for containers uh, and one of the SDEs. Uh, this will get into depth on things like FireLens. Um, so if you're looking to add things like additional logging drivers um, or working with FireLens and seeing where you can send those log outputs, uh, that's a good place to do that. Uh, if you're interested in cost optimization, so things like Fargate Spot versus On Demand, um, that's CON 324. Uh, CON 325 is on capacity providers. Um, Nick Colt is the ECS product manager. Um, so he wrote a lot of the docs for these features originally. Um, some of you have probably seen him on the ECS containers roadmap, um, but he's really excited about these, and his explanation of capacity providers has a demo, and it is much better than mine. Um, C1312 is the chalk talk on cluster auto-scaling. Uh, so I think between this list, and I checked, so they're all available either later today, tomorrow, or Friday, so they're all after this session. Um, but that should cover all of the reInvent launches. Uh, we're also on twitch.tv slash AWS this week. So if you're looking for demos or to ask questions of the product managers and you don't have a customer meeting, um, a lot of the PMs will be hanging out on the Twitch channel um, doing demos and answering questions and talking with folks on Twitch. So also a good place to head uh, if you're looking for some more details. Um, after reInvent, so what can you learn um, after you leave uh, the wonderful paradise of Las Vegas. Um, containers and mesh roadmaps are a good place to feel, to, to feel out what we're thinking about and how we're thinking and what's coming next or what's not coming next. We'll talk about those uh, and links in a second. Uh, this year we launched a new containers blog. So historically we've had posts either on the, the What's New blog with Jeff, so the AWS News blog, uh, or we've written on the compute blog. And we still write on the compute blog, but this year we wanted to try something uh, a little bit new. So we launched our own containers channel. Um, this has posts from engineers, from Deepak, from product managers, from me. Um, but they're more uh, technical deep dives on kind of how we're thinking about these features and how we built some of these. Um, so we'll be posting more deep dives and technical contents there. 
we have a couple of workshops that are updated pretty frequently to include new features. Uh, they are very cleverly named ecsworkshop.com and eksworkshop.com. Um, and if you're looking to play around with AppMesh, there's a whole examples repo. Uh, so AppMesh has its own roadmap, but there's also some examples up there to help folks kind of feel out how service meshes work and how they can use one too. Um, so putting on my last hat for today, um, let's talk about Amazon Linux. So who here has run anything with Amazon Linux before? Great, me too. Um, so what's Amazon Linux if you're one of the folks that didn't raise your hands? Uh, ultimately, it's a Linux distro, right? So we want to provide stable, secure, high-performance execution uh, for applications running on EC2. Uh, we produce uh, AMIs for things like ECS and EKS, so like the ECS-optimized AMI and the EKS-optimized AMI, and it's AMI, by the way, it's not AMI, Corey Quinn. Um, it's our word. Um, uh, so those, those, those optimized AMIs are produced uh, by the Amazon Linux team. Uh, they're running Amazon Linux. Um, Support for things like latest instance type features uh, on Amazon Linux 2, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, has an extras channel. Um, a good example of that uh, is that when Firecracker went GA last year, it was available uh, at launch as an extra on Amazon Linux 2. Uh, so we hopefully have a tighter integration with other AWS services. Um, if you've never used it before, packages are available via Yum, uh, which is a package manager. Uh, like apt-get on Ubuntu. Um, hopefully next year, Stuart and I, who's the other Amazon Linux PE and I, will have custom sporks, which is what I thought would be the best swag. So for a yum update, that's funny. Uh, I think it's funny. Um, so what are we focusing on from the Amazon Linux side? Um, hopefully not news to all of you, but maybe news to some of you. Um, AL1 has an upcoming end of life. Um, it was originally scheduled for November um, of 2020. We have extended it, uh, no, sorry, it was available, I don't remember when it was, June maybe of 2020. Um, we've extended it to December 30th of 2020, and that's for regular support. Uh, we're, ex we're extending long-term support uh, through June 30th, 2023. Um, under extended maintenance support, some specific packages or classes of CVEs will be covered by us. Uh, we'll have a full list of those packages and what categories of CVEs, but um, an example might be that we'll support critical CVEs and we'll backport. Um, so what's new with Amazon Linux 2? Um, the extras channels is a big one, uh, fresher versions of packages. Um, what do we wanna think about in kind of the next year uh, distro-wide? Um, two kind of categories for me. There's one, it's as a host OS, so what can we do to be a better environment for you to run your containers in? And I think the second piece to that is how can we be a better operating system for you to run inside of your containers, so in a Docker file from Amazon Linux 2. And I think these are both equally important, right, but different sides of the same coin. And that a lot of folks, when they're running with containers, what they're looking for uh, our minimal base images, so small, lightweight, low attack service uh, versions of an OS to run inside their containers. Um, so we're gonna put some more thought into that this year. Um, and then finally, working on getting you uh, more frequent and better package and, and AMI updates, so newer software faster. Uh, most importantly, uh, we wanna hear from you. So 
Amazon Linux does not have uh, developer advocates or, or marketing or anyone like that, uh, but you do have Stuart and I, <laughs> so we're also good. Um, so those are our emails. Um, if you're running on AL1 and you want to talk about the upcoming deprecation or tooling or migrating to AL2, or if you want to just yell at us, that's also fine. If you want to tell us we're amazing, that's even better. Um, but please send us an email. We're happy to walk through people's concerns with end of life or what AL2 looks like or what the big difference are. differences are. Uh, if you're looking for a summary of differences between AL1 and AL2, uh, there are a couple big ones, system D. Yay. Um, so buckle up for that. Um, OK, so what's next? Um, as promised, I'll get us out a couple minutes early for questions. Um, I think the most important piece here is that we want to know what you want to see. So we want to see all of our roadmaps, like with every service at AWS, uh, are built by working backwards from the customer. So how we know what to build and what kind of sparks joy for you guys is by you telling us whether that's through your account manager or your essay or through the containers roadmaps uh, or through emailing me directly. Um, we want to know what you want to build. We want to know the pain points where you get stuck, uh, where you want to see us improve, where you wanted a different version of the packages, where you want to tell me how much you hate system D. Um, we want to hear all of that, and that's how we know what, what's important for you guys to see over the next year. Uh, so a couple of themes that we're thinking about. Um, the big one for me uh, more focus on abstractions and developer experience. And then the flip side of that, more ability to tweak knobs and customize uh, where you want it. So how can you ship better, faster, and more safely? And how can you customize uh, when you want to? Uh, so finally for today, uh, how can you get your voice heard? So there's lots of ways for us now. Um, some links to the public roadmaps. Uh, here's what they end up looking like. Researching means that people have asked us about it or we thought it might be neat uh, and we're thinking about how we might be able to implement that. Uh, we're working on it. Um, it's in progress. It is under active development. Um, in traditional AWS timeline, uh, there are no timelines. Um, there are just buckets. Um, hopefully, um, this is a little bit more help than no help at all. Uh, coming soon uh, means it's coming generally in the next three to six months. Um, but again, under active development, we're planning on shipping it pretty soon. Developer preview, there's an open developer preview that you can get access to. Um, and finally, just shipped is just shipped. So things that we've, things that we've shipped that you can use either that you can use in GA. And that could be anything like a region uh, or support for persistence, something like that. Um, but on GitHub, check it out. Um, AppMesh has its own. Uh, it is not a container service. It is an application networking service. Um, same categories uh, with the exception of instead of the de in developer preview, it's available in preview channel. Uh, here's a good example of one of the developer previews. Um, uh, EKS ran ARM support as a developer preview. I think that one's still open if you want to check it out. Uh, so this is being able to use A1 instance types uh, with EKS. Um, and there's instructions, there's comments back and forth. Uh, the PMs and SDEs uh, are usually hanging out in there. Uh, we also have a Slack channel um, that you can often find um, PM and, and developer support from uh, as well. Obviously, the caveat, the roadmap is not a substitute for actual customer support, um, but we do often answer some questions, especially if it's something like, why doesn't this do this? 
Um, here's what the AppMesh preview channel ones look like. Uh, so an example of something in the preview channel is end-to-end -end encryption uh, with ACM, so Amazon Certificate Manager Managed Certificates. Um, but uh, it's open. You can access the preview channel today, uh, so check it out. Um, that is all. It has been a lightning-fast roadmap overview of a lot of different services. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, the top one is my Twitter handle. Um, the second one is my Amazon email. Um, might not get an answer this week, but I do answer my emails. Uh, so if you have a question or a complaint or you want to make a feature request or find some time to talk to us, uh, let me know. If you want to talk about Amazon Linux and you're here at reInvent, um, also email me and put Amazon Linux in the subject line, and we'll see if we can find some time. Uh, and I am contractually obligated to tell you to please fill out the session survey in the mobile app. Um, that is all. We have 10 more minutes left of the scheduled session, so I will wrap it up, and I will hang out down here for 10 minutes if, if you all have questions. If not, I will let you make the long trek between venues. Thank you very much.